I'm Lucy. And I'm Michelle. And welcome to another episode of Tudoriferous, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. And today, for Valentine's Day, Henry in love. What's love got to do with it? Well, possibly more than we think. Really? Or possibly not. Yeah, this is Henry VII we're talking about. Yes, not Henry VIII. Henry VIII was always falling in love, wasn't he? <sighs> or thinking yeah. he was. Thinking he was. Thinking he was. There's one occasion where it might be love. We shall find really? out. Was it the little fingers over the portrait? No, no, that's not. No, I don't, no. Think, it was, I don't think that was love on either, on either <laughs> side. <laughs> Definitely not for her. No. no. Tell him I have the box. <laughs> yes. Tell him to go away. <laughs> okay, when Elizabeth of York died in childbirth on the 11th of February, 1503. So Welcome to Valentine's Day. Three days ago. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Valentine's Day. We start with a death. <laughs> Only us. And despite the fact that theirs was said to be a love match, Henry was quickly on the lookout for a new wife. And his first choice met with a certain amount of disapprobation, not to say disgust. Ooh, his daughter-in-law, right? Bachelorette number one. <laughs> oh. Catherine of Aragon. Oh, cringeworthy! Henry sent a letter to Isabella of Castile announcing the death of his much-loved and much-lamented wife and ending with a P.S. By the way, I've decided to marry your daughter. Does he actually say I've decided to? No, no, I was I was I was Okay. <laughs> I was paraphrasing there. <laughs> in a sort of it's in the same letter, so it's a sort of anywho. Uh, on another matter, I want to marry your daughter. She's free. Well, we're pretty sure that's what it said. The letter's now lost, but Isabella's reply is still extant. <laughs> and she had a lot to say on the subject. <laughs> Get him. She starts by offering her sympathy on, her death, on the death of his wife, my sister, as she says, which is nice because oh, yes. Ferdinand, Ferdinand <laughs> wouldn't call Henry, Henry his brother. brother. <laughs> um, she then goes on that de Puebla had written to her concerning the marriage of King Henry with the Princess of Wales, quote, but as it would be a very evil thing, the very mention of which offends the ears, she would not for anything in the world that it should take place, unquote. She wrote that in the letter? So I think that's a no. That's a no! Yes. Oh, that is very much a no. She gave instructions to de Puebla saying that this was not to be endured. And she told him to pass on to, on to the king that she and Ferdinand were as one on two points. One, that the king could on no account marry their daughter. And two, that Catherine was to come straight home. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I'd feel. Dirty old man wants to marry your daughter. Yes. <laughs> Send her home. Yes. I wonder yeah. if Ferdinand even knew about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we will never know. Of course he did. He's too delicious. <laughs> and I wonder what disgusted her more. The fact that Henry wanted to marry his daughter-in-law, the widow of his son, Arthur, and the prospective wife of his son, Prince Henry. Yes. Or the fact that Henry had announced his intention in the same letter that he told her about the death of his wife. Oh. Yeah. In fact, de Puebla wrote to Isabella saying that the English are saying that Henry might be intending to marry Catherine, but we don't know what he means by the English. So all of them, it's sort of common rumour. 
right? You know, a, a careless whisper, a, <laughs> or just the Privy Council. He must have been very sure of his facts, since most of the time De Pueblo was very keen to present Henry in a good light. Yeah. Having been at the receiving end of Isabella's opinion on this match, he knew that this was not showing Henry in a good light at all. No. No. And yet it seems likely that this letter to Isabella must have been composed with Henry's consent. So was Henry by this point taking a step back after having had an earful from Isabella? I sure hope so. Getting dear Puebla to say, I heard it on the grapevine, it's not certain. (laughs) I've only heard that some people are saying that he might be considering the idea of thinking about the possibility. So Henry was forced to let it be. Oh, if it, I wonder if he felt embarrassed. Do these people feel embarrassed? I don't know. I don't know. It's a feeling that they... Understood? That they have. Isabella decided the best policy was, was to deflect Henry's attention, and she added, quote, If you should find that the King of England wishes to marry, we will tell you at the end of this letter the match that we think would be suitable for him and all that occurs to us relative to it. Mm. So, yeah, forget it. We, we've we got plans for you. <laughs> so, the new match that she was suggesting was Bachelorette number two. Joanna of Aragon, the Queen Dowager of Naples. Ah, yes. Yeah. Not our Juana, a different nope. one. But then he'd be tying himself up in Naples, and that's not a good thing to be tied up in at the moment. Well, it's Naples, but it's also Spain, isn't it? Well, Queen Dowager makes her sound very ancient, really, doesn't it? But yes, it does. She was, she was very young. In fact, she'd been widowed at the age of 17 or 18. Oh, wow. Well, I say, oh, wow, but she might have been happy about it. She was, Isabella said, quote, particularly well calculated to console him in his deep affliction, unquote. Well And we're not quite sure what she meant by that. Sounds like an abacus. Well, it's... It does sound as if she's got special special skills to um, alleviate yeah. men, men in deep affliction. Well, maybe her first... How did her first husband die? I don't know. Hmm, maybe he know. died of an illness and she cared for him? Well, unfortunately, Isabella's letter to the Duke of de Estrada, who was in England at the time, is not much help since key passages are illegible. She writes, and I'll say mm-mm for the missing words, <laughs> okay. quote, <laughs> Returning now to the affair of the betrothal of the King of England, it seems to us that it would suit him very well to mm-mm the Queen of Naples, oh. our niece. <laughs> That's an unfortunate placement. <laughs> <laughs> Because in addition to mm-mm, her much, mm-mm, which is suited to the consolation and the comfort of the King of England, unquote. <laughs> that that so, turned very dirty very quickly. It did. <laughs> so, yeah, what's this woman got that's so comforting? <laughs> a good dose of mm-mm. <laughs> and she was Isabella's niece, so Isabella was quick to point out the England-Spain bond would be just as strong if Henry were to marry her rather than to marry Catherine. Mm, is it, though? Well, there's a link anyway, isn't there? And yes. it would, of course, be considerably less creepy. Yes. Even though she's still so young. She's young and he's into his 40s. Henry obviously thought that this was a good match, made even better by the fact that Ferdinand promised to give Joanna 200,000 ducats if she would marry Henry. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, sure. Like bribe, doesn't it? Yes. Please, please marry this creepy old man. Yes, this creepy, consumptive old man. Oh my gosh, we're saying old man and he's younger than us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but neither of us are planning to marry some toy boy, are we? No, no, we're not. Yeah, I think Ferdinand was saying, would 200,000 ducats make it more bearable? Ugh. However, whether the Queen Dowager would ever have seen the money, because yes. we know what Ferdinand is like with dowries, yes. promises, promises. Yes. In fact, the contract for Catherine's marriage with Prince Henry was concluded at Richmond on the 23rd of June, 1503. So it was off the cards then that Henry should marry Catherine. Right. De Puebla wrote to Isabella on the 5th of December, 1504, sadly not realising that Isabella had actually died by then. Aww. Quote, As to the match between the Queen of Naples and the King of England, your highnesses may rest assured that, that a business of so much importance has not been allowed to lie dormant. On the contrary, I have spoken many times to the King about it, sometimes in private and sometimes in the presence of the members of the Privy Council. The marriage is much approved by the King and the Privy Council, and is thought a better one than any other which has been or can be offered to him. Search all the world over. As far as I know, none have been offered to him at this point. Right. While making this declaration, they lauded your highnesses on many accounts and for many considerations above the cherubim, unquote. Oh. That's laying it on with a trowel, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) There's one complication which de Puebla then alluded to. Quote, it is true that the king has had letters from France, which he showed me, and in which he is assured that your highnesses are going to give this lady, your niece, to the son of Don Fadrique, should it be agreeable to the king of France. He's also told that the king of France did not wish for the match, and that the ambassadors of your highnesses who were in France had departed, taking this answer with them, from the king of France, and without being able to come to any conclusion respecting the peace, unquote. So this could be a problem for Henry. For a start, was this likely to become a problem if the French king then changed his mind and decided he did want the marriage? Right. Also, was Henry being offered this girl because the king of the France didn't want her? Oh. That would be quite humiliating for a king of England to be offered the king of France's cast-offs, or not even the king of France's cast-offs, a relative of the king of France's cast-offs. Yeah. So, de Puebla continued, quote, I replied to all this that I did not believe it, as your highnesses yourselves had written to make the offer, that's of the marriage, to his highness. He answered, with all respect to your highnesses, that such a thing might have taken place before your highnesses made him the offer. Ah. Finally, the conclusion arrived at by the king and his council is that it seems a thing that ought not to be and an improper thing for a king to conclude such a marriage without being first certified by his ambassadors and envoys as to the person and appearance of the said queen. I think he's worried that the king decided against her because she was pug ugly. (laughs) (laughs) For your highnesses must know that if she were ugly and not beautiful, the king of England would not have her for all the treasures in the world, nor would he dare take her, the English thinking so much as they do about personal appearance, unquote. Everybody thinks that way. Yeah. Hmm. Whether she was pug ugly or not, I can't say, since when I looked on Google Images, it latched onto the word dowager, and all I got were lots of photos of Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she looked like Maggie Smith. Not that, I mean, Maggie Smith's lovely, but 
you know, if I was 17 and I looked like Maggie Smith, I'd probably be a bit worried. <laughs> I don't know whether this was just Henry or whether all potential bridegrooms were so obsessed with the beauty of prospective brides. We know that Henry VIII demanded a portrait of Anne of Cleves. Yes. And we hear of Torrigiano painting pictures of two potential brides for Charles V. Yes. And Henry VII had ridden on ahead to check Catherine of Aragon over before Arthur got to see her. But Henry was adamant he wasn't going to love her just the way she was, but he'd only be in love with a beautiful woman. Really? So he's admitting to his shallowness, at least. <laughs> yes. De Puebla goes on and, and on. Quote, Moreover, I was told that neither the king nor his council had seen any letters or instructions from your highnesses in writing, to which they might have given entire credence, and had to rely solely on my relation, relation of the, the facts, saying that your highnesses had always written to me in cipher, unquote. Hmm. So th they'd only heard this second hand through De Puebla, so I suppose it's only natural to be sure if you're getting married to her, just to, just to make sure. They wouldn't want to make you know, make all the arrangements and find it was all just Chinese whispers and she wasn't 17, but 87. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and wasn't available anyway or something. <laughs> we should look at what options were open to Henry and his family if they were to make useful marriages on the continent. And they were surprisingly few. He was going to have to marry off himself, Prince Henry and Princess Mary, Princess Margaret having been promised for better or for worse to James IV of Scotland. So the possible candidates for the two Henrys were as follows. In France, there were three princesses. The sister of the later to be Francis I, Marguerite of Angoulême. Okay. And Louis XII's two daughters, Claude and René. And all these princesses were either children or very young. In Spain, there was Catherine of Aragon and Joanna of Aragon, the Dowager Queen of Naples. In Austria, Maximilian had Margaret of Austria, who was 24, but had already been divorced once and widowed twice. But she was a good option, though, because her last two marriages had brought dowers from both Spain and Savoy. So, you know, as a, as a nice little cash cow, she would be quite handy. Yes. The only viable prince for Princess Mary was Charles, Philip and Juana's son. OK, yes. So that's not a huge pool of possibilities to, to play in, really. I wonder what kind of history would be different if Charles and Mary had been married. Hmm? Hmm. So we've got uh, six princesses and one prince. So if Henry VII played this judiciously, he could make links between England and France, Spain, Scotland and Austria. And people would have to accept his right to reign then, surely. Yes. One problem with Princess Mary marrying Charles was that he was already betrothed to Princess Claude of France. Right. Henry didn't see that as too much of a problem. He knew that Ferdinand was not happy with this arrangement. His grandson marrying a French girl, because obviously that was before he got his, uh, got his French girl. <laughs> there had been the policy of Henry's whole life to live on friendly terms with France, apart right. from when he invaded and got that nice little pension from the Treaty Yeah, apart from then. Jeez. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Henry now promised to go to war immediately and with all his forces if Ferdinand, in return, would arrange a marriage between Princess Mary and Charles. He also promised to make over to Ferdinand the Duchy of Guienne. I think that's um, Aquitaine. Oh. Yeah, it's that, in that area. So it's the one that Henry VIII was so keen to get, get his mitts on in the last episode of um, Ferdinand of Aragon's episodes. Yes. 
And I don't quite understand his thinking here. If Henry is planning another link between either himself or Prince Henry and France, is he not taking quite a risk in antagonising France? What with promising to go to war against them? Uh, yeah, which antagonises Scotland as well. Yes, and I also, I don't think he has the right to the Duchy of Kien to start giving it away. (laughs) (laughs) Details, details. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't the only problem. If Henry VII was to marry Joanna, the Queen Dowager of Naples, he had already put a tick in the Spain column. He didn't want two marriages in Spain, and he wanted to spread his family links across Europe. But Prince Henry was betrothed to Catherine. So he either had to break the bond between Prince Henry and Catherine or between himself and Joanna, the Queen Dowager. Okay. There's no point There's no point marrying twice into Spain. It's just a waste. Yes. Henry V, no, Henry VII couldn't <laughs> marry into France himself. It's all this talk about France. Time think, travel. <laughs> Henry VII couldn't marry into France himself because all three French princesses were children. And he couldn't wait for them to grow up, really, to start breeding. Right. Such a horrible way to look at it. <laughs> well, yes, I don't think he's thinking of the creepy aspect. It's just the, you know, get on and get on and mature. He was not just getting on in years, but he was also ill. Right. He thought about betrothing Prince Henry to Margaret of Austria, but that would mean coming clean to Ferdinand that he wanted to break the link with Catherine. Yes. So he decided to play for time, and this might explain why he seemed to leave Catherine hanging without telling her one way or the other what was going to happen to her. Because he was still considering his options. Yes. Hmm, right. Henry's plan was that he would marry Joanna, the Queen Dowager, and then he would break the betrothal between Prince Henry and Catherine. Or he gets Prince Henry to do it, saying something stupid like, he was too young when the betrothal took place, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Henry VII would get the timing just right. He wanted Ferdinand to help him get Charles for Princess Mary... But he was hardly going to do that if the Henrys had just dumped his daughter. Right. So it's a matter of juggling this so that... The timing is just right. So that Ferdinand doesn't find out what he's really up to. Wow. Yeah. He left it for a year and a half before he made any more communications about the proposed marriage with Joanna, the Dowager Duchess. And even then, he told dear Puebla that he didn't really want to take a wife at all. He was happy dancing on his own. But if it would please Ferdinand, he would consider marrying Joanna. He seems to be buttering them up before he announces that they don't want his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a problem for Ferdinand because with every passing year, Catherine was getting older, obviously, and therefore less viable on the marriage market herself. Because she has fewer years to bear children. Yes. Isn't that lovely? But Henry still wanted that picture of Joanna. Because European links were one thing. So do we. Yes. (laughs) It didn't stop him being fussy about who he woke up next to every morning. He stressed that he wanted a full portrait. Because there's no point marrying a girl with a pretty face plonked onto a great lump of a body, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) He seems to be extremely suspicious. Yes. But then he's Ferdinand we're talking about. And I'd be suspicious. I don't know. Because he is kind of doing the same sort of backhanded deals that he would expect Ferdinand to do. Mm. Mm. I bet Ferdinand probably knew all about it anyway. I know what they're like. Yes. Um, Yeah, Henry said that the painting should have hinged doors so that it could be closed because it wouldn't be proper for anyone to have a good gawp at this poor woman. 
Also, he added, would it be okay if neither Joanna nor her mother should know to whom this picture was to be sent? And I assumed that he was allowing for the possibility that he'd take one look and say, ooh, who actually know? <laughs> right. We're back to the same um, Queen Elizabeth wanting people to come see her before she'd be willing to marry them, but that would be too embarrassing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He sent a group of ambassadors to take a look at this woman, clutching a document in which Henry has written a series of questions that British History Online described as, quote, not merely indelicate, it also exhibits a great amount of coarseness, unquote. Mm. They have a point because Henry asked the ambassadors to make sure that she didn't have bad breath or a moustache and to let him know her breast size. Oh. Hmm. So quite, quite personal stuff. Yes. Did they have sizes? Well, I suppose he means small, medium or large, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But the trouble with sitting on an idea for a year and a half is that the political situation can change completely in that time. When the marriage was first proposed, the friendship of Henry was very useful to Ferdinand, since he wanted Henry's help in his war with France. The goodwill of Ferdinand was equally valuable to Henry, since he wanted Ferdinand to help him get Edmund de la Pole. Right. But as we've heard in Ferdinand's very convoluted political machinations, he made peace with France and even married into the French court, young Germain de Foix. Not only did he not need the link between Henry and his niece Joanna, but she could be better used elsewhere. Okay. Ferdinand secretly betrothed Joanna to King Alfonso of Naples. So um, I suppose it means she wouldn't have to go far. Ferdinand was his usual underhanded self and denied everything to Henry. But the French were not so secretive and told Henry everything. He must have been so hard conducting business with Ferdinand because he just point blankly denies things. That everyone knows is true. <laughs> he just said, you know, I didn't do it. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> and actually, I don't know if Henry ever heard about this because apparently Joanna and her mother were none too keen on the marriage with Henry. Okay. Probably because he was obsessed with her facial hair and breast size. <laughs> and- <laughs> And also because he was a sickly, prematurely old man and she was a young woman. And since Ferdinand didn't need Henry anymore, Ferdinand wasn't going to push it. So that was the end of Henry's betrothal that wasn't to Joanna, Queen Dowager of Naples. Hmm. So who's next? Bachelorette number three. Marguerite of Angoulême. Also known as Marguerite of Navarre, I think. Oh, I... <laughs> My head was going, that's not the right name. I'm thinking of Isabella of Angoulême that King John <laughs> married. <laughs> totally wrong yes. century, <laughs> let alone the right time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Susanna Lipscomb and not just the Tudors have just done an episode of Marguerite of Navarre. So if you want to see her side of the story, <laughs> go and listen to that. In July 1505, Louis XII suggested to Henry that he marry his niece, Marguerite. And I checked the dates for this. She was born in 1492, so she was 13. Ah. Henry was 48. Louis offered a similar dowry to that which Henry would have got with Joanna the Queen Dowager. He promised to keep paying the money promised by the Treaty of Atarpla, and he'd help Henry nab Edmund de la Pole. But Henry right. doesn't seem to have considered it for very long. And it would be nice to think that he found the age difference creepy. You know, you're just too young, girl. <laughs> and it may also be that Maximilian had suggested his daughter, Margaret of Austria, as a possible candidate in return for the money he needed to get to Rome and claim his magic crown. 
Most people provide a dowry with the bride. He's just provided a demand for money. But, you know, it's just money, money, money with Maximilian. <laughs> Henry didn't say yes or no to this proposal, although it would have fitted him with a grand plan. If Mary were to marry Charles, that seems to have been concluded while Philip was staying on his enforced holiday in England, then Henry VII already had a tick in the Austria column. He didn't need two Austrian marriages. No. And then on the 25th of September, 1506, Philip the Fair died. Yes. Bachelorette number four, Juana of Castile. Yes. And yes, this is yes. where it might possibly be what love <laughs> is. And perhaps Henry wanted to know what love is. Yes, at least he had met her. Yes, and he'd taken quite a shine to her when she and her husband had been shipwrecked off the English coast. Yes. I don't know, there was just something about the way she moved. As soon as he heard that Philip had died, Henry instructed Catherine of Aragon to write to her father, who was at that time in Naples, to ask him for Juana's hand in marriage for Henry. Ferdinand said that he'd give it a go, but ultimately the decision should be Juana's. But that if she were to decide to marry again, she would marry Henry. So he's not giving her the choice of whom to marry, just to choose whether to marry again or not. At all. Right. Yeah. He did stipulate that the matter should be kept secret until he got back to Castile. Because the last thing Ferdinand would have wanted was to do anything that would disturb the delicate balance of his plans to rule Castile. Also, Ferdinand had had problems with troublesome sons-in-laws and he probably needed to decide how much influence Henry would have over Spain right. were he to marry Juana. Right, because he technically has absolutely no authority in Castile. No. Oh. Hmm. hmm. And Philip decided that he did have authority in Castile. Mm-hmm. I mean, would he, for instance, decide with Juana in a bid to oust Ferdinand from Castile? Of course. <laughs> That's what I would expect. Yes, unless he's, a, unless he's a fool. Yes, of course he would. I wondered if that was behind the wording of Ferdinand's letter to Henry, because Henry didn't say that Juana would get the choice of whom to marry, but she should choose whether to marry or not. But if she did decide to marry, it would be Henry. Did Ferdinand suspect that she would find the prospect of marriage to Henry so abhorrent that she'd choose to stay a widow? And so Ooh, Ferdinand ouch. wouldn't have to worry about for sons-in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything. I, th I think Henry VII is, you know, well, I mean, compared to his son, he's, a, he's an Adonis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just kept the pot boiling because he didn't want Henry to break off the betrothal between Prince Henry and Catherine. And Ferdinand was a man who could really hide his lying eyes. Mm. Henry was very keen on this union. It is very hard to tell, partly because these people dissimulate all the time and partly because expressions of affection change over 500 years, how much he was keen because he was so smitten with Juana or whether he'd realised the power over Ferdinand such a marriage would give him. Hmm. Would it, though? After hearing about um, Ferdinand, I don't think Ferdinand would have allowed that power to ever develop. Well, that's why he's so reluctant to get that, let him marry. Yeah. He's, put, he's putting the, the barricades up right from the beginning. Yes. Henry had been very ill, even to the point where people didn't think he'd pull through. He had quinsy, which I had to look up, and I wish I hadn't. Oh, what is that? It's an infection caused by untreated tonsillitis. Uh-oh. It's a very nasty complaint if the photos are anything to go by. 
How do you spell so, it? I'm looking at photos. <laughs> well, you might regret it. Q-U-I-N-S-Y. Ooh. Oh, I wonder how bad that made your breath. Yeah, that's been ironic if he had married the Queen Dowager. <laughs> check check her breath and then he goes and breathes all over. <laughs> <laughs> he was just getting over this and was still very weak. But when he was told that De Puebla had arrived with news from Spain, he allowed him in instantly. And the two remained talking for two hours. And so actually with that, it looks quite painful to talk. And it wasn't even dinner time. So <laughs> I wonder why Puebla, De Puebla was there. A couple of days later, De Puebla was with the king all day. It was a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all day breakfast you can get. Henry sent a letter to Ferdinand saying that the prospect of marrying Juana was filling him with, quote, rapturous joy, unquote. She was the sunshine of his life. His first, his last is everything. And he thought they could be happy together. And obviously that's not his quote. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> De Puebla and Catherine were dragged in to tell Ferdinand that Henry would make a good husband for Juana and if she was mad, being married to Henry would be sure to bring her back to health. And anyway, if that didn't happen, Henry's counsellor said it didn't matter since, quote, the English don't mind insanity, unquote. <laughs> Apparently really? we're, very, we're very fussy about breast size, but we don't mind insanity. <laughs> I only need to be around her for, say... Two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, what might have rung a few warning bells with Ferdinand was that Henry said that he'd prefer it if Juana came to England, but if she didn't want that, Henry would be quite happy to go to Castile and spend a few months there. Mm. Not that Henry would interfere in Ferdinand's regency. No, oh, heaven forfend. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, Henry said, had been a bad son but he would prove an exemplary one. And Henry went so far as to offer Ferdinand English bowmen to fight the infidel in North Africa. Wow. Yeah. He also made a concession which must have stuck in his throat. He said, there'd be no need for a dowry. <gasps> wow. He really must be in love. Well, infatuated. He, di he didn't go quite so far as to write her silly love songs, but not far off. Wow. <laughs> it's the illness. If Ferdinand gave the go-ahead, Henry promised to send his ambassadors with full power to conclude the marriage treaty and perform the marriage ceremonies by proxy. And I suppose if he's just had a, a glance with death, he's probably in a bit of a hurry now. Yeah. Yeah. There were only two things which Henry said should not be inflicted upon him. Either a refusal from Queen Juana to receive his ambassadors when they had arrived in Spain, or a refusal of, of the Queen to marry him, which, he said, would reflect dishonour on his character. But I don't really see how he, he's going to avoid that. I mean, if she refuses, she refuses. She, but, yeah. <laughs> but love hurts. So there we go. Henry, like many men who are about to marry considerably younger women, was keen to present himself as young and virile. De Puebla told Ferdinand that Henry's last illness had done him the power of good and he was looking 20 years younger. <laughs> but since just six years before, De Ayala had said that Henry had aged 20 years, this would just bring him back to his real age, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really an improvement. <laughs> not really. 
The main stipulation that Ferdinand made about, made about this marriage going ahead was that so should the other one, the one between Catherine and Prince Henry. Ah, okay. Yeah, so as far as Henry VII was concerned, that was definitely back on. Okay. A papal dispensation would be necessary since Catherine had already been married to Prince Henry's brother. Mm-hmm. So it was necessary to get around Pope Julius. He would also need a papal dispensation to marry Juana then because he's now marrying his... Yeah. Yeah. He, yes, his son's wife's sister. Yes, which is still too close for consanguinity for the oh, church at that time. Sad. It sounds dodgy anyway, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm my own grandpa. Yes. <laughs> From having been lukewarm about the Crusades before, Henry now became a keen advocate. In fact, he wrote so many letters to Pope Julius that they were read out to the College of Cardinals as an example of the perfect Christian king. So now he was top of the class. Ooh. He was sim- simply the best. <laughs> In the meantime, Ferdinand was sending letters to Henry saying that he loved him above all mortal men and that nothing would make him happier than to have him as his son-in-law. But just shut up about it, please, until I've had a chance to get back to Castile. And I'm still not calling you brother. Yes. (laughs) Yes, he'd have to work out, brother? Uncle-in-law? Nephew? (laughs) (laughs) We heard in Ferdinand's episode that he was waiting for his followers to clear the way for him to get back to Spain so he could ride into Castile unopposed. And he was restructuring Naples, and this was taking a while. And the last thing he needed was Henry writing him copious letters saying, quando, quando, quando. (laughs) (laughs) And Henry was getting more impatient. He must have been worrying that while he was waiting for Juana, Margaret might marry someone else. And then if Juana rejected him, he'd be left with nobody. Right. He was torn between two lovers. Also, he wasn't getting any younger or healthier, as we said. No. He decided to write to Juana direct or at least sort of. Ooh. What he'd do was to get Catherine to write to her, but he'd dictate to her what she should say. Okay. In this letter, Catherine, stroke Henry, said that he'd fallen in love with Juana when he came to his court with Philip, when they were shipwrecked. When she came to his court. (laughs) Yes. The first time ever he saw her face. He had wanted to detain her longer in England, but had been advised against it by his privy council. This was when his li- uh, wife was still alive, too. Husband. Ouch. Husband was still alive. Yeah, I was thinking, would that be with with or No, Elizabeth Philip? was alive still. Oh, Elizabeth was alive, yes. Yes. So he fell in love with her while she was married and he was married. Yes. Ooh, scandalous. Naughty boy. His friends had advised him to hide his love away. Otherwise, he'd have told her how he felt there and then. If she refused him, she would commit a great sin against her God her father, and herself. So talk about emotional blackmail. Yeah. Unfortunately, in January 1508, Ferdinand contacted Henry to say that he was now back in Castile, and bad news, Juana is lugging the body of her dead husband around with her. He said that he tried to talk to his daughter about his his marriage with Henry, but she begged him not to mention it until her husband was buried. The implication being that that could be a long time off. Right. And did Henry really want a wife who dragged dead bodies about? Yes. But when a man loves a woman... <sighs> and it does make you wonder how Catherine felt about this. Because Henry wasn't treating her particularly well at this point. Right. And yet she was still required to play Cupid to Henry's whatever it was. 
passion for her sister or desire to muscle in on the ruling of the country of her birth. Yeah. <laughs> Before he asked her to write to Juana, Henry gave Catherine £200 and said there was plenty more where that came from. Well, there wasn't, it turned out. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But Catherine was deliberately using her role in all of this to improve her situation. She wrote to her father, quote, I bait the king with the hope of marrying Donna Juana, and I flatter him and his counsellors, unquote. So he's like a puppet on a string. Yes. As the Juana link began to seem as if it wouldn't happen, Henry started telling Catherine that her marriage to Prince Henry wasn't valid. And I presume his interest in the Crusades were beginning to flag at this point too. Mm-hmm. So, what of his other proposition? Bachelorette number five, <laughs> Margaret of Austria. Fingers! <laughs> it's, it's finger time. Oh, that's... No, no, yeah, that sounds really bad. <laughs> this, this proposal dragged on for years. Although, how much interest was it to either party? Henry had, a, as his backup plan, in, in case the Juana thing fell through, and Margaret quite categorically said that she didn't want to marry him, despite his little fingers. So, it was hardly the start of a fine romance. When Maximilian first mooted the idea, Henry sent an envoy to talk to De Ayala, who was then, in 1505, living in Flanders. He wanted to know how serious Maximilian was about this proposal. Maximilian having a reputation for fickleness. Mm-hmm. And he also wanted to know about Margaret's assets. But not like... <laughs> what kind of assets? <laughs> well, not like Joanna, Queen Dowager. He wasn't interested in Margaret's breast size. It was the size of her bank account that interested him more. Ooh. And I don't know which is more creepy, really. Yeah. How big are her breasts or how big are her financial assets? <laughs> how big is her chest or how big is her chest? <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> He That's might have been wondering whether there'd be a possibility of getting some of that money back that he'd lent Philip and Maximilian over the years. <sighs> when Philip had been shipwrecked in England, he'd had to sign the intercursus malus. Mm-hmm. Following his death, Margaret negotiated changes to this, which Henry then ratified. And he may have thought the concessions might have made Margaret look more kindly on him and change her mind about the wedding. It didn't. Maximilian kept writing to Henry to say, she's not keen, but I think I can talk her round. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's wavering now. She's definitely giving it some thought. Until by 1508, he had to admit that this ain't happening. <laughs> she'd, been, she'd been hurt by all three of her marriages, two because a much-loved husband died, and one because a much-loved husband unceremoniously dumped her. Yes. When she was very small. Why would she want to go through it all again? Although, as we heard in Ferdinand's episode, this confirmed spinster then decided she wanted to marry Louis Twelfth, didn't she? Oh, right. So, takes all sorts. But Henry died on the 21st of April, 1509, without any of his prospective marriages ever taking place. Who knows if he was ever lonely tonight, had an achy, breaky heart, or whether his were the tears of a clown. Because when all's said and done, all you need is love. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) And if you want a little project, you can count how many love songs were mentioned in that episode. (laughs)
Goodbye. Goodbye.